0: Welcome this morning as you join us at Calvary Chapel Valdosta. Pastor Deshaun Van Cleve will resume delivering the word from the book of 1 Corinthians. In Christ alone. This is where we need to keep our focus. It's not Jesus in things and Jesus in this. It's Jesus alone. That's who we need. He alone. Is, he has everything that we need. And uh, we just need to come to him. See that he is the captain of our ship. He is the one that's leading us. Turn over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I thought about pressing on through the text after last week. We had been talking about overcoming discord. This is what the Corinthian church was dealing with, and more specifically, grasping the gifts. We said that this was one way, as the Apostle showed us, for the believers to overcome the differences, is to see how the Holy Spirit has equipped us and how he's enabled us and, and what he's doing in our lives. And so I wanted to move on and just go to chapter 12, but it, it came to my mind that maybe we should hover a bit over this passage and see if we could truly get a firm grasp on the gifts so if you would stand with me, we're going to read uh, verse four to verse six, and prepare our hearts, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, verse four: Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit; and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which, which works all in all. And Father, this morning we are so thankful for just your presence being here among us, Lord. Just reminding us of your goodness, Lord, that leads us to repentance, that brings us to the place in which we can sit under the spout where the blessings flow out. Lord, that's our desire today, Lord. So we're sitting at your feet desire to hear from you. We want, Lord, wisdom. We want knowledge of our Savior today, Lord. God, we want power. We want to be able to walk from this place, putting these things into practice, not striving, but resting in your grace. So we thank you, Lord, and we're looking, and we're eager for what you will speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I was thinking about grasping the gifts and hovering for a while, maybe this week, maybe next week. Uh, But I really wanna go through the whole list of the gifts. Uh, Last week I mentioned to you that there was approximately 19 gifts if you were counting in hospitality that are found in several areas of our New Testament. In the book of Romans chapter 12, in the book of Corinthians, as we are here, chapter 12, and even going into it a little bit more in chapter 13 and chapter 14. And also in First Peter, chapter 4, it gives us a little bit about gifts as well. And so I, I wanted to talk about this and really dissect and go over the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think it's important if we're going to say we're going to grasp the gifts, that we have a firm handle on the gifts. Now, before we begin, let me just say this right here. This is a good question to preface our study on. Are the gifts still for today? That's the question. I think that has been the question for centuries that many Christians have wondered. Are the gifts still for today? Was it just for the time in the book of Acts? Were the gifts just for the first church, the one that was in the first century? That's a question we must think about. We have to answer that question by going to the text. That is the only way for us to be able to rightly understand um, and come to the the correct answer. Uh, to that question. It tells us here in verse 7, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that the manifestation of the Spirit, the revealing and the working of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> is given to every man to profit with all. So it tells us that these gifts, these functions, th- these workings that God does in His church and through His church is for the edification of the church, for the profit of many, to be built up. So the way that we answer that question is this. We say, are the gifts still needed for today? Are they relevant for today? Well, you got to say this. Is the body of Christ still active today? And if it is, then that body needs to be built up. It needs to be edified. It needs to be profited. And so the answer would be yes, they are. The body still exists. God is still saving people, bringing people into this group that has been called out of the world. By the way, the word church is the Greek word ecclesia, and it means those who are called out or the called out ones to be part of this group that is connected to Jesus Christ, who is the head. And so the body needs to be built up. There is still gospel work to be done. Therefore, spiritual gifts and the profiting and the working of the Holy Spirit is still needed today. Now, here's the other thing. Is it needed for today? Are the gifts still needed? Well, we've already said that the body still needs to be built up. People still need to grow. So we still need these gifts. But also the word of God. Is still being preached. The word of God will still be established, as it tells us in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. I'm going to read that for you. In Mark 16, 20, very last verse of the chapter of that book, it says, and they went forth, speaking of the apostles, the disciples, and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following they were confirming the word that was spoken by the wonderful moving of the holy spirit now there are no more apostles in this sense today but there are people that are moving that are taking god's word to the ends of the earth that are taking god's word to their neighborhoods that's taking god's word to work taking his word to the supermarket or grocery store. The word of God is still going forth, and the word of God will still be confirmed. Now, the signs that might be following it may not be as dramatic as we find in the book of Acts, but no doubt there will still be lives that are changed miraculously, people that are saved wondrously, And it was all by the working of the Holy Spirit. The question again, are the gifts needed for today? The answer is yes. There is a body that needs to be built up. There is a word that needs to be preached and established, made firm and trusty. But I want to really dive into this idea of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because we have a this idea today where there is um, two schools of thought. Uh, the first school of thought is what you call a cessationism, and you have people that label themselves, they may not walk around with a name tag on and say, I'm a cessationist, but in their belief, in their doctrine, they are Uh, cessational in believing, meaning they don't believe all the gifts continue to this day. Maybe at least some of the gifts have stopped. And then you have this group called the continualists. These people believe that all the gifts are continuing to today. And over church history and time, we've always had this conundrum, this issue this difference of opinion with one another. Well, some say certain gifts are not employed anymore, namely the signifying gifts, healing, miracles. Some would even venture to throw tongues and the interpretation of tongues in there. But then you had the other people that said, no, these gifts need to continue. Now, the people that say that the gifts should stop, certain gifts should stop, they base their argument or for of First Corinthians chapter chapter thirteen. And it tells us in First Corinthians chapter thirteen verse eight, that love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they shall fail, where there be tongues, they shall cease, and where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. And now by his faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so oftentimes our brethren that, look at some of the gifts and say you know these miracles and this healing and all this miraculous stuff that ended with the work of the apostles when they ended in their first century and died off then those works stopped and the holy spirit is not doing that anymore and they go to first corinthians chapter 13 and they say here it tells us here that you know prophecies are going to stop and tongues and and knowledge and, and we know in part They said, because when that which is perfect has come, then these things will be done away. So what they're saying is the the, the key issue here with the text is that which is perfect. What is that which is perfect? It could probably be better translated that which is complete or full. What is that? But some of the sensational uh, the people that believe that the gifts, certain gifts has stopped, have stopped, they would believe that that is the word of God. They would say that the word of God, we've gotten the full counsel, the full revelation, the canon of text that is God breathed, and therefore we don't need these other things anymore. But on the other side, you have those who say that which is perfect is speaking of, the second coming of Christ when we stand before him. And so that hasn't come yet. And because that hasn't come, all the gifts need to continue. It's a logical argument because when we stand before the Lord, what need will there be for gifts? Right now, the gifts are necessary to build up the body for work for the work of the ministry, as it tells us in Ephesians chapter 4. So we need these gifts. We need his abilities to be used to lead and, and to uh, show mercy and to govern and, and to do various things. Some of the other gifts we, we look at and we say, well, I don't really see miracles. I don't really see healings anymore. Miraculous things being done, but if if we if we look close enough, we'll still see them. I think they're still being employed today. I remember Chuck Swindoll said that a miracle is something that we cannot explain. He said if you can explain it, then it wasn't a miracle. These those things are happening all the time. Now it may not be the way that we read as we uh, as we dive in Acts chapter nineteen when. Paul is wiping his head with a handkerchief, just like, man, it's so hot in here. And and he just puts his handkerchief down and someone steals it from the top. And then they go around and just touching people and they're healed by this guy's handkerchief. I, I I don't think he planned that. That was just something that the Holy Spirit was moving with and doing. But I do believe if we're open to the Lord, however he wants to do this, then all these things benefit us. Now I think a lot of times what happens with the brethren that are taking a cessation type view of certain those signifying things they have stopped I, I think it's because of what it would happen uh, with the Pentecostal movement and when a lot of charismania started getting out of control and people bringing the gifts before the word, all the signs. Remember how we read it in Mark 16, 20? They went everywhere preaching the word first, and then the signs were coming after that. It wasn't signs first, then the word. And I think what happens and what has happened over time is that there have been some that have been just out of control in the name of the Holy Spirit not even realizing that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And so people were saying, you know, the Holy Spirit, I just felt this feeling and it just welled up in me and I just started to laugh uncontrollably. And next thing you know, we for a whole hour, we were just laughing in the Spirit. It was just amazing. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And so we wouldn't be out of control We wouldn't be doing anything outrageous, but it would be in perfect harmony with the Lord and in perfect harmony with his word. And and that's what we got to get down, is that these things are needed. Everything in the Bible, we don't want to cherry pick certain things in the text, say, no, that's not for me. Oh, yeah, that one is for me. And that's not for me. When it comes to the law. We can say that because Jesus Christ has come and he has fulfilled that law. So as long as we walk in his grace, the law is being fulfilled. But we don't want to go through the New Testament cherry picking the things that, no, I don't know about that. And we do it oftentimes with things like women pastors and ladies leading, you know, certain flocks. And we're like, well, look, that was during that time. And that was, a, that was the custom Of the day. And so we don't wear coverings over our head now, and and we have to remember we can't cherry pick the text. As long as we stick to the text and we let the Word of God interpret the things that we're doing, we can stay close to being accurate. Now, I want to talk about these gifts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so you got those two different views, those who say the gifts are still continuing and those who say the gifts are not. I personally believe that all the gifts are continuing. Do I believe that I have been touched or benefited by all the gifts? No. I mean, have I seen some miraculous healings? I mean, I've heard about some things, but I haven't seen them. I'm not walking around acting like a weird guy do I think I have the gift of tongues? No, I don't I don't think so. But have I seen it? Possibly. It it you know it just comes down to am I okay with God's word? Do I feel like I gotta have all the answers? Do I feel like I gotta cross all the T's and dot all the I's, or can I just rest in the wisdom of God and let the Lord lead? And I think that's where we have to. When we come to spiritual gifts, that's where we got to be. We got to, one, make sure we're tethered to the word. And number two, just rest in God and what God is doing. Not in what we are fearful of or what this is. Just go back to the word. We'll never be led astray. Now, I broke up the gifts last week into three categories. I mentioned to you, and I thought it was, we don't find these categories in the text, but If you were to put like things with like things, you know, like in math when you do like terms with like terms, if you do that, uh, you could get a better handle or just a better grasp on what's going on. We talked about speaking gifts, serving gifts, signifying gifts. And if you remember from last week, I told you that the speaking gifts are normally the most coveted gifts. These are the ones most people want to have because they tend to be the most public. They tend to be the most... The ones that are out there. The serving gifts are the most beneficial gifts. And I believe that those are the gifts that most of us have. Very few of us have the speaking ones. Most of us have those serving ones. And the signifying ones are the most misunderstood It's hard for us to understand that. It's hard sometimes for us to grasp that. And in a culture, in an age where we have dictionaries and encyclopedias and Wikipedia and Google and everything at our fingertips, it's very hard for us to believe something that is miraculous. It's very hard for us to believe something that's like that. And then when you got a whole lot of false doctrine out here, that also makes it hard too. Because you don't want to jump into the deep end of the water where people are just going charismania on us. And so those are the misunderstood, but we're going to study those as well. So I want to look today at the speaking gifts. I want to go directly to the the text where those gifts are pointed out. And I want to just break it down and just look at these gifts. What, What do they mean? What are they? So we can get a better grasp, a better handle on these things. So the first set that we're going to look at, speaking gifts. We're going to turn over to the book of Ephesians. So you go to the right in your Bible. We're going to get over to, if you get to Galatians, it's the next book over, Ephesians. And we're going to look at uh, verse 8, but really we're going to hone in on verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4. So here we go, Ephesians 4, verse 8, but we're going to stop at verse 11 try to dissect that. It says, Ephesians 4, 8, therefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. The he that he is mentioning In this text is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that he gave gifts to men, verse 8. And then verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, I want you to look at this not, excuse me, as the office, but as the gift. Because these are gifts. This is that word, that Greek word charisma, where we get our English word charisma. But this is the the gifts, the divine gift, the gift of grace. This is what he gives to his people, his body. And look at the first one. He gave some. Now notice, he's not giving it to everybody, but everybody has a specific working and a specific function, just like we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 5. That there are different administrations, but it's the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God that's working. It's the same Lord. So he gave some apostleship. That's the first gift I want to look at, apostleship. What is that gift? Now, the the word apostleship, it it really comes from the Greek word apostolos. And that word means to be sent. It means sent one. That is the meaning of the word apostolos. It's one, a person that is sent out. That's an apostle. However, this gift, apostleship, it carries a a very specific criteria because there were those who were called apostles at the time. And so you had in Acts chapter 1, I wanted to mention to you too, we're going to jump around a bit. So I really want you to go to the text, try to follow me so you can write down these reference points. But in Acts chapter 1, it tells us the specific criteria for that office of an apostle. But it's a dual meaning to that word because it also means one that is sent out. And we'll we'll break that down in a second. But in Acts chapter 1, it tells us that Peter stood up Acts 1 around verse 15 Peter stood up and he was saying that you know Judas is no longer with us we need to fulfill his ministry just as the text tells us as he was reading from Psalms it says he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry and speaking of Judas that he purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and fallen headlong he burst the sun in the mist and it was known by everybody Uh, For it is written in the book of Psalms, verse 20, Let his habitation be desolate, and no man dwell there. So he says, Therefore, in verse 21 of Acts 1, Therefore of these men which have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the same day that he was taken up from us, must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. This was the criteria for a person to be an apostle in that office, functioning as part of the 12, the called ones that God sent out. These these guys, he says, number one, they had to have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and went out among us. So he's saying that they had to be here, be part of this ministry. They had to be walking with the Lord Jesus, just like we were walking with the Lord Jesus. They also said, beginning from the baptism of John to that same day he was taken up from us. They had to be a partaker from that time of the baptism of John. When all those guys came in John chapter, they, they had to be there. So we see that there were guys that were there because they're choosing two guys here. They're choosing Joseph and they're bringing forward also Matthias, whose surname is Justice. Obviously they were there, but the Lord didn't choose them. But they were guys, they were people that were following the Lord just as well as the 12 and following him. It wasn't just the 12. He says that they had to be there from the beginning of baptism of John to the same that he was taken up from us, and one must uh, be a witness to his resurrection. They had to have seen him as well. Now, these are specific criteria for a person being an apostle, trying to hold that title as an apostle. So, we see, we, we see something that has happened today where people call themselves apostles. They're like, you know, I'm an apostle, such and such. Like, how did they get to the point to have that title? That was very specific. There was criteria for that. And so there can be no more apostles in that office or that function because that when those guys were gone, they were off the scene. That was it. There's no more apostles. Now, However, the actual gifting of an apostle, the apostleship, the idea of one being sent out is where we get our common common word and phrase today, a missionary, because that's what a missionary is, one who has been sent out, sent out by God first, confirmed by the church. The calling is confirmed by the church. That is a missionary, one that has been sent by God. And so the gifting is still in existence. We know from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 1, that the writer of that text says this, Romans 1:1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Now, we also know from the book of Galatians that even Barnabas, was called also an apostle as well. But these guys, it doesn't tell us, it doesn't indicate anywhere that these guys were there and were fitting under that criteria, the same criteria that the, that the 11 and the 12 original apostles fit under. And so the idea of this gifting, we know from Acts chapter 13 that Paul and Barnabas were sent out of Antioch by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. we know that Paul and Barnabas were sent out of Antioch by the Holy Spirit, confirmed by the church. The Holy Spirit says, separate me, Paul and Saul at the time, Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. And then the church recognized the call and told them, you got to go and do what God has called you to do, man. You guys got to be obedient. And they went out as missionaries, as apostles, those who were sent those to do the work. And so this gift is still, I believe is still occurring today, that people are being sent constantly. There are those that feel like they need to go to Uganda or they need to go to China or they need to go to Australia or they need to just go back to the block. And they're called, not necessarily in the office of an apostle, but they're working in that office of the gift. There are some people that are led out. They just go out and they they just... They have this leading to want to go do things. I remember talking to a friend of mine and I asked him, I said, you ever had the thought of just going out and stepping out and just doing a work for the Lord? I was all excited, exuberant about it. He said, no, not really. (laughs) He's like, I mean, I'm pretty content here. I mean, I I like it here. I like to serve the Lord right here. I'm not looking to do any of that stuff. I would venture to say he doesn't have the gift of apostleship to be sent out start a work, to plan a work. That gift is still there. It's a very, like the work is hard, but 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 the Holy Spirit needs people. You got to send people because God is using people to touch other people. This is how he's bringing his message across. So he still has to send people. Back to Ephesians chapter 4. What was the next one? Ephesians 4 11. He gave some apostles, he gave some prophets, but not Don't focus on the office here. Let's focus on the gifting. Prophecy. He gave some for prophecy, to have this gifting of prophecy. Now, what is that? The actual root of that word prophecy just means to foretell the message. That's what it means, to foretell. So the prophet was always speaking for the Lord, and they were bringing forth the message. It's not like a genie or some psychic he's foretelling the future. The prophet was, was meant and purposed to speak the word that was given to him through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But we know now that the prophecy, this gifting of prophecy, because we have the completed word of God, that any word of prophecy is not going to con- contradict the word of God so that is the balance there. This gifting is still employed. And God is still using people to speak forth the word of God, to speak forth his message, what he's saying. And it's not contradicting the text. That's the key. Now, so oftentimes people, we like to, re- we like to revel in the fact that somebody is a prophet, and we call people prophets. And we say, like, yeah, look at this prophecy right here, the the word spoken over me and different things and spoken into my life. And a lot of times, most of those words don't even line up with the text. That's an issue. Because it, it would never contradict the word of God. The prophet was meant to speak the right things. Turn over to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23. I want you to see what God says here. Jeremiah 23... If you made it to Ezekiel, flip over two more books. You got Lamentation in between. Jeremiah 23. Look what it says here in verse. Let's go to verse. The whole chapter deals with it, but I want to uh, stick specifically with verse 8. Well, let's start at 16. We're going to go to 16. Jeremiah twenty three sixteen. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets that prophesy to you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart, not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still to them that despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And they say to everyone that walks after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come on you. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed till he have performed the thoughts of his heart in the latter days, you shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from the evil way and from the evil of their doing. Am I a God at hand, says the Lord, not a God far off? Look, here's the thing if they had stood in my counsel. This is where we don't go wrong with prophecy, is that this gifting of the Holy Spirit would be given so that we speak forth what the word has to say, not contradicting what the word has to say, not lining up just with our desires, but what God wants. He says here that the criteria for these prophets was that they stood in my counsel, that they heard my word. Not that they just went out and said anything, because that's what they were doing. People going out there saying, no, the Lord is gonna bless you. The Lord is gonna be with you people. And guess what? They were probably prophesying with a lot of energy too. The Lord is gonna give you the victory over the Babylonians. God is gonna bring them down. Hey, that, that probably motivated people, encouraged people, but guess what? It's not about feeling. The Lord says, those are not true prophets. Because they're not standing in my counsel. They don't hear my words and give my words. They're coming up with their own stuff. They ran and I didn't send them. That is the key. That is real prophecy. That's the gift of prophecy is speaking forth the word of God, a message from God, but not contradicting the word. The prophecy, the gift of prophecy will be closely tied to the word of God. Won't be going outside of this, making up. You know, sometimes I see people saying that, they, that they're prophesying over people and they're like, the Lord is going to be with you this day and you're going to have these things. Look, let's be specific. Because if you, if you really believe this, like, bring up a verse. Give the person a verse, something that they can hang on to and not hanging on to your words. Well, Prophet Such and Such said that this is going to occur in my life. That's, that's not going to last. But the only thing that will last is the word of God. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will remain forever. That's what it tells us in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. My word will remain forever. Next gift, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, evangelists. He's given some for evangelism. The gift of evangelism. It's a speaking gift. It means one who brings the good news both by preaching it and by living it. That is evangelism. Evangelism is is bearing, is heralding the good news, bringing that. And God is still gifting people with the gift of evangelism. They just want to go out and share. I mean, I just want to share the word, man. They, They just have this insatiable desire to share with whoever, however, even if it's to a turtle, or a dog, whatever, they're going to share the message. They want to get out there and they want to share the word. Now, real effective evangelism is moving people from spiritual deadness to spiritual discipleship. It's not just sharing the word with someone and then they say, yes, I believe I want to serve the Lord and I want to be a Christian. Oh, great. That's good, man. You know, enjoy your life and 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 I'll see you in heaven. That's not real evangelism. Effective evangelism will accompany discipleship. That would be key, pivotal portion of it. Not just getting saved, but I need you to grow and be sanctified. I need you to grow in the likeness of Christ. Your salvation, yes, is but a moment. but we need you we need you to become a saint, and that is the task of a lifetime. That has to be. Worked in and through us. That is real evangelism. Every believer is called to do the work of an evangelist. Every believer, that is our responsibility. In Matthew chapter 28, the Lord Jesus gave the great commission. Go out into all the world, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've got to preach this gospel into the whole world. Every believer needs to do the work of an evangelist. Is every believer an evangelist? Does every believer have this gift? No. Do I believe I have the gift of evangelism? Probably not. I look at other people that I know for a fact God has gifted them this way. I just, I'm not bent that same way. But do I still need to do the work? Yes, I do. I think of a friend of mine, uh, Jose, he's a blessing to me. I know he has the gift of evangelism, I know it. I saw him in action for years, I know it. And even when he came down to visit, I, I, he left out one day, you know, he just said he was gonna go drive. I'm like, all right, where's he driving to? He comes back in and tells me that he was over by some Spanish supermarket and decided to go into the Spanish church and talk to the people and he's looking for opportunities. I think God has equipped him with this gifting to bring the good news. 2nd Timothy chapter 4 was the verse that tells us that we are to do the work of an evangelist. This is what Paul charged Timothy in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 5. But watch 2nd Timothy 4 verse 5. But watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. It might be safe to say that Timothy didn't necessarily have this gift of evangelism. But Paul is exhorting him, you've got to do the work of an evangelist. Be where the people are that don't know the Lord. Look for doors to share the word of God. Don't shy away from the opportunity to speak for the Lord. Have it always in your mind. This may be an opportunity. Be used by God to speak the message. I like how this guy named C.T. Studd, he says, some want to live within the sound of the church and Chapel Bell. I want to run a rescue ship within a yard of hell. That's what he says. That is the gift of evangelism. He's like, I'm not content with just being in the church, just doing the, I want to be, I want to win people. I want to be within a yard of hell. That's where I want to be, winning people, winning souls. I want to go in there. I want to pull people out this is my desire. There's a guy by the name of Ray Dash. He's a he's a uh, a guy that went and did a work up in New Jersey. He had this desire to go to the projects and stand out there in the, in the center square, wherever it was, and play music and try to reach people for Christ. And I remember he came uh, and to the church and he shared about his ministry and how God Used his boss to give him leave so he was able to go and take a sabbatical from work and share the gospel with these people that nobody wanted to talk to because it was so rough. But God wanted to send him in there and he just wanted to just preach Christ. And that's what he did. And his children were following too. This reminds me of the book of Acts and reminds me of Philip because it tells us in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter. 21, if I'm not mistaken, Acts 20, yes, Acts 21, verse 8, it says that the next day that we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea, we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Speaking of the seven that was mentioned in Acts chapter 6, these were the guys that were chosen to serve the tables, but they were gifted in so many other ways. Yes, they had the gift of ministration, the gift of serving, of ministry, being able to help other people, exhortation, all those things, helps. But he also had the gift of evangelism. And we know from Acts chapter 8 that when the believers were dispersed, they went everywhere preaching the word. Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. This was a man with the gift of evangelism. He wanted to preach the message. And he went and he preached in Samaria and he left from Samaria and the Spirit sent him into the desert and he went to the desert towards Gaza and he preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. And then the Spirit sent him to Caesarea. And while he's in Caesarea, he's they they say Philip the Evangelist. This is what he's known as. As a man that is bringing forth the good news. We need that ministry because the gospel still needs to be preached. People need to be one to Christ. Look at the next couple gifts. He says in some, Ephesians 4.11, some pastors and teachers. I I want you to see the way that this is put together. These words, I believe, are connecting together. Pastors and teachers. Because it goes together. You, you, for a person uh, to be and to have this gift is to also to have this gift of teaching. They're both needed. Uh, because first of all, the pastoring, the, the gift of pastoring, it could be otherwise known as the gift of shepherding. It is the gift that where you go out and you're defending the flock, you're caring for the flock, healing the flock, seeking the lost that are outside of the flock, you're trying to bring them in, you're just, you're shepherding them, you're doing everything that a shepherd does, he's guiding them, he's leading them, he's taking care of them, he's feeding them, this is pastoring, but part of that feeding them would, would involve some teaching as well, and so normally the person that has the gift of shepherding will also have the gift of teaching, And so the gift of shepherding, of pastoring, this is an important gift. This is where you just have a heart for people. You have a heart to want to make sure that this person is walking aright. You want to make sure that this person is walking upright. You want to make sure that this person is wholesome. You you care about this person. You don't want to see them fall into any pits. You want to lead them to the best pasture. That is the heart of a shepherd in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 the apostle was speaking about all the things that he went through trying to relate to some of these guys because they were looking at him and they were looking at the false teachers that were puffing themselves up and he's like man I've went through a lot I'm going through a whole lot of stuff it tells us and Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. I like how you put that in there. I'm speaking as a fool, man. I'm a fool. But guess what? I'm more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, except one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered a shipwreck. Night and day I've been in a deep and journeys often, and perils by my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brothers. And it just, he's like, Man, I'm going through a lot, and weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which come upon me daily the care of all the churches. There is the heart of the shepherd. Despite going through all that stuff, he says, I, st- I, I can't get out of my mind all of those believers. I'm praying for them constantly. I'm thinking about them. This is enough for you to not think about anybody. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You just... There's so much going on in your life, so much turbulence. You don't have time to think about anybody. You just concentrate on yourself. But a, true, but a person that has the gift of shepherding will set themselves aside for others because they care about them. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3, verse 15, the Lord says this about shepherds. He says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. There was a problem in Israel's time. They didn't have shepherds, real leaders that would care for the people. God says one of his promises that he was going to give them shepherds after his heart. That is the chief duty of the shepherd and the person that has the shepherding gift is to. Be in the likeness of the chief shepherd. That is our duty. Now, I believe that God gives many people this way, and that it's not gender-specific, that only men have the shepherding gift. That's wrong. I believe that women have the shepherding gift also. I do not believe, according to the text, that women will have the office of a shepherd in the church as a pastor over the men. that's, That's antithetical towards God's way and how he does things. He holds men responsible to lead. Not, I'm not talking about incompetent men, capable men, spiritually capable men, to lead, called men. But I believe that even women have this gift of shepherding. To be able to shepherd their child's heart, to be able to shepherd other women, Titus chapter two, they need to have this gift of shepherding in the church, watching over, caring, feeding for. That is necessary. But then this gift of teaching that we just mentioned. The gift of teaching is the ability to expound God's word in an accurate and systematic way. That is the gift of teaching. You are dedicated to this. You want to be able to expound it properly, rightly. Not, not, not everybody has this gift. In fact, I believe that is, according to the text, it is a strict duty that carries a serious consequence. James chapter three, verse one, what does it tell us there? In James three, one it says, My brothers, be not many teachers, some of your Bibles might say masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. There is a stricter duty, or more strict duty, and a serious consequence that accompanies this gift of teaching and so uh, not many of us should be aspiring to be teachers let's just say that now it is coveted because you're standing before people and oftentimes people look at you and they're like man that guy knows the stuff man wow man she is really good and so we desire to have that but we can't look at that gift and just covet the desire to be in the forefront. It's a strict duty. Now, effective teaching, just like effective evangelism, is going to accomplish something. Because effective teaching is not just teaching the precepts, but is teaching people how to walk in the precepts. That's how you know a person that has the gift of teaching. They can explain something, in a very simple way, and people can go home and put that stuff into practice. Have you ever been studying something and you're thinking to yourself, what are they talking about? My goodness, this person, can you just say it simply? Sometimes we get, we get a lot of knowledge and we want to use big words and we want to use these. I remember one time I was at work and I, I was reading the Bible and there was this word that was in the Bible and I said to myself, Man, that is, I like that word right there. It's a King James type word. I like it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to try to use this at work. And I remember I walked over to this guy's desk. And I said, man, you know, I'm doing all this work right here. And I just think this stuff is so superfluous. He was like, what did you say? I was like, yeah, the work, man. I'm going to head back to my desk. He said, no, 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 no. Stay here. What did you just say? What did you just say? Did you just say superfluous? And he's like, hey, Mike, come here. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is bad. This is bad business here. You see, when you want to be all like big, and use these big words. He's, he's there. And they spent about 15 minutes just raising me on superfluous, superfluous. And then he's like, it's superfluous, man. What are you talking about? You need to learn how to find the words, the meaning of words. And I was just like, goodness gracious. Nevertheless, it was a good reminder to me to keep it, short and simple. Or as they like to say, keep it simple, stupid. Don't try to be more than what you are. Look, it was Albert Einstein that said, if you can't say it in a simple way, you don't really know it. This was a man that was a physicist and understood big things that we can't even understand. He said, unless you can say it in a really simple way, you don't know it. That is the gist of a teacher. They're going to be able to teach the precepts So to get it to the point where people can walk in the precepts. Now, here's the other key thing about teaching is that teaching, it involves character. You cannot teach somebody anything if you're not going to first walk in it yourself. And so having the gift of teaching is going to mean that you are working on those precepts yourself. You're not somebody that's like, I got to get to teach it, man. I'm just looking for this opportunity to teach. But you don't even spend time pouring into those things, letting it work in you. It's like Leslie Flynn said in his book, 19 Gifts of the Spirit, aptness of teaching is sandwiched between character qualifications. You are not going to be a teacher being employed by the Holy Spirit using that gifting, and you don't have good character. It. Because you're just going to mar the message. They're not going to understand what you're saying because they're looking at your life and it's not lining up. That's what happened with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were walking and saying, do this, but don't do as I do. And and they were causing people to be conflicted. That's why the Lord Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't get in. And you're like, man, well, then that ain't the way. No, the way is through him. He's the only way. His righteousness is the only way. He says, do as as they say, but don't do as they do. That's what he told them in the book of Matthew. Don't do as with these, because they're not walking in what they're saying. And So a person with the gift of teaching is able to do those things. And and their life, their character, corroborates their ministry. It cannot be incongruent has to be the same. Now, the last uh, uh, three things that we'll look at, I didn't mean for this to be super long, but these are gifts here. The last things that we'll look at, turn over to the book of Romans chapter 12. I want you to see this here. This would be like a speaking gift. Romans 12, 8, it says, Or he that exhorts on exhortation, or he that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. He says he that exhorts. Exhortation is a speaking gift. Exhortation. Another way to say this would be the gift of encouragement, to exhort, to encourage. It is, the actual word is paraklesis. That's the word for exhortation in the Greek. And the reason why that is important to know is because it is the same word that we use for the comforter. In John 14, 16, the Lord said, I will send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit who comforts us. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless. The Holy Spirit would be there. And the person that has the gift of exhortation is the person that is able. They have the ability to come alongside someone and to help instruct you into a more perfect way through encouragement. Now, that encouragement may not just be an all soft tone either. This person has the gift of encouragement because they always come up to me and they always say, how you doing, dear brother? You know, you're like, man, that's the encouragement right there. But there's also somebody that comes alongside and said, hey, man, if you, do, if you keep doing these things, it's, it's not going to lead you down the right way. We need stern exhortation. We also need uh, comforting exhortations. But the person with the gift of encouragement, they will be able to come alongside someone. Similar to what what happened in Acts chapter 18. It tells us in Acts 18, right at the end of this chapter, that uh, these two people, Aquila and Priscilla, were left in um, Ephesus while Paul went to Jerusalem. He left them there. And while he was there, while they were there in Ephesus, this man named Apollos came through. It says in verse 24 of Acts 18, A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit, and he spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Look, man, he had all the outward giftings. This guy was powerful in what he was doing. But it says here, he only knew the baptism of John. He didn't have a full revelation and knowledge of what God was doing. But Aquila and Priscilla were there, husband and wife duo. And so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him to them and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. Now that phrase, they took him to them, the original language almost speaks of they took him into their home and they brought him near and encouraged him in a way more accurately. That is the gift of exhortation right there. They saw that he was lacking something, came alongside him, even inviting him in, not making him feel like he didn't have anything or he was just, he was a failure, like, man, you don't know what you're talking about, but brought him in, expounded it more perfectly, and look, it says that after they did that, he was disposed, a purpose to pass into Achaia. That is the region of Corinth. And the brethren, they, they wrote to the brethren, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. Because of their exhortation, their coming alongside, their summoning, they were able to strengthen this guy, and he was able to do even greater things than he was doing before. That is the true gift of encouragement or exhortation. You're coming alongside and people are strengthened by you. You're not coming alongside and people are strengthened in sin. That's not the gift of encouragement. You're walking alongside without discernment, encouraging people to walk in their own ways, to continue down bad paths, bad practices. That's not the gift of encouragement. It is somebody coming in and you're able to expound and explain the way more rightly and they can walk in it. This gift of exhortation, speaking gift. Lastly, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It tells us here that to one in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 12, to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. These are also giftings of the Holy Spirit. It is the ability to know what the believers should do. And the practical knowledge of showing how they can accomplish it and walk in that. That is the gift of wisdom and knowledge. It's knowing what the believer should do. Knowing, number one, what you should do with your own life. Knowing what the believer should do with their lives. There's many believers that come and say, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just don't know where my, where my life is going. I don't know what this. And the person with the gift of wisdom or the gift of knowledge would say, hey, I, I believe this is what the Lord would have you to do. And they will share the word of God with them. Say, look at this in the text. I believe this is for life. This is what you got to bank your life on. They're bringing this gift of wisdom in it. Not everybody has that. Sometimes people are like, I don't know what to do. It's just, you know, and, and other people are like, man, I'll pray for you because I don't know either. But the person with the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom says, here's, here's what I believe the Lord is showing you. And that comes from spending time with, and getting to know the Lord Jesus and getting an accurate understanding of, of his ways, of how he wants us to walk, and God will gift the believers with this gift. He will give this to them for the benefit of the body. For illustration of this, I love what it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. This is in the Old Testament, but I think it, it speaks well to this gift of wisdom and knowledge it tells us that when david was setting when david became king and now he was the physical king of all of israel that god was sending to david like the host of heaven all these people were just coming to david it was god's working david didn't blow a horn and say i'm the king now come on to me and you know now i'll take care of you but they all were like man we just need to be there that's what god wants us and they came like a host of heaven And it tells us in verse 32 of 1 Chronicles 12, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. These were men that had understanding of the times. They knew what Israel was supposed to do, where they were supposed to go, when they were supposed to do it, the vision that they were supposed to have. They knew it. And God sent him these types of people. And so also in the church will be people that have this gift of wisdom and knowledge to know what the believers are to do and to be able to give them practical steps. That's the wisdom part. The gift of knowledge is to know what they should do. The, the gift of wisdom is the practical steps to be able to put that into to action. So we need both of those together. Those there, I believe, are the principal speaking gifts. I didn't go into the gift of tongues or interpretation. We're going to cover those in the signifying gifts. But I just wanted to share that and go through that list. I know we went through kind of fast, but I, I, I didn't, we could spend all day on this. We could spend hours on this. But that is probably the shortest that we could really accomplish just to get a firmer handle on what this is talking about in Ephesians chapter 1 as we end here Paul the Apostle he says here in verse 16 I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him That wisdom and Revelation is a more perfect, more accurate understanding of who the Lord Jesus is. And this is the thing that Paul was praying for the believers. That that God would give them the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of, of knowledge that they could understand. It is not God's desire for the believers to be without knowledge. To be without wisdom. He wants everybody to have this Understanding of what he wants them to do, and gang, I want to tell you that 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 is really this this idea of the gifts. It's not really exclusivity. Well, that's maybe that's not called for me, but God wants us to covet these things because He wants us to have this heart and this desire to be used in the kingdom. This is why we have to have a good grasp on the gifts because we could be used to to our our most effectiveness if we understand them, and now we can seek the Lord, and if we understand what we're missing or lacking in the body, we know what to pray for. This is very important for the believers in Corinth, and it's very important for the believers now. We would like for you to stay in touch and up to date with us. Follow us on Twitter at CC underscore Valdosta, and visit our website at ccvaldosta.weebly.com for additional information about Calvary Chapel Valdosta and an archive of previous sermons. You can reach us by phone at 301-395-3382. Calvary Chapel Valdosta is a fellowship of believers committed to the study of the Word of God and seeking the things that are Jesus Christ's. Let us now end in prayer. Let's say a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the covering of these gifts. And Lord, I know I didn't necessarily do it full justice, Lord, because we have to stay within a certain time. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would give a more perfect understanding, for he is our teacher. He is our guide into all the things that you have said in your word. So help us, Lord, to... Receive the things that we heard here today. Help us to search out the things that we heard here today and and help us to walk in them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.